Good morning. So today we get to hear from Mark 15, 1 through 15. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things, and Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Good morning. It's a real privilege uh, for Melissa and I to be here and Kristen uh, for these few weeks in the summer. We always feel blessed to be back to our Boise home, even though we have a number of homes in this world. This is a good one. Um, It's a real privilege. And it's a privilege for me this morning to continue the story of the last week of Jesus' life. Um, The passion of Jesus started when he entered Jerusalem until he went to the cross. And then uh, he was buried, dead and buried, and then he rose from the dead. But if you take that last week, it's a significant part of the Gospels. Um, I just did a brief count of pages, and it comes out to be about one-seventh of what the Gospels talk about, of their content. It is central to who we are. Uh, We are in his kingdom. And so this morning we're going to talk about his kingdom, the kingdom, which is a lot of things, but it's the kingdom of the cross, As uh, we heard from Jackson a few weeks ago, the trial at uh, Caiaphas' house, the chief priest, was illegal. It was at night, and it was in his residence. And so uh, he and the chief priest and the elders and all the council needed to meet in the morning to make uh, this legal according to their jurisprudence and to take an official decision. So they got together in the morning and really... They wanted to kill Jesus. That was the consensus. They wanted to have him crucified. But since they didn't have the authority to, to uh, implement, execute capital punishment, and since their charge of blasphemy uh, wouldn't hold uh, with the Roman government or governor, they came up with false charges. So they went to Pilate. We know a little bit about Pilate. Um, he was the governor of Judea for 10 years, from 26 A.D. to 36. 
He usually resided in Caesarea, but he had come to Jerusalem to keep the peace. Um, it was known during religious festivals that people's passions were aroused and their religious fervor. So he was there uh, to keep the peace. On that day, he held the power of justice, the keeper of the peace. Well, Pilate steps out of his uh, governor's headquarters when the Jews come to him, and that's out of respect for them. Uh, they couldn't enter his headquarters lest they be defiled. So he steps out to hear the charges. And uh, Luke tells us they brought uh, three main charges, perverting the nation, Jesus is, forbidding the payment of taxes to, to, to Rome, and Jesus wants to be Caesar or king instead of Caesar. Well, that last one caught Pilate's attention because if it was true, if Jesus was a king, then he was guilty of treason, a capital crime against Rome and Caesar. So Pilate asks, he goes back into his headquarters where Jesus is, are you the king of the Jews? John, uh, in his gospel, gives us a few more details of this conversation in John 18. It says, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. You have said so, Pilate, or according to the way that you think, according to your understanding of king and kingdom, you could say, I am a king. But my kingdom is not like that of Caesar's or any other king of this world. So Pilate is satisfied. Jesus is not a threat to Rome. But who is this king? Pilate seems uh, curious and interested to find out. We see Jesus, and he saw Jesus standing alone, bound, without a people. He stands before the governor, delivered over by his own people, who were outside scoffing and scorning. His followers, his servants, who he said, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. Those servants had betrayed, denied, and abandoned him. He stands rejected by his own people. And that's what we read in Isaiah 53 that Isaiah had prophesied. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And he was falsely accused. They accused him of many things. Luke gives us those three main charges, but many things. They were fabricating accusations, it, it appears, as they went. Pilate says, have you no answer to make? 
See how many charges they bring against you? The chief priests were just heaping on empty charges out of anger and envy. A king alone, rejected and accused. Pilate is amazed. He sees Jesus not trying to defend himself, not trying to save his own skin as kings of this world do. The king of the cross is truly amazing. As you might know, many countries of the Middle East uh, have strong-handed leaders. Many of these, uh, after they had secured their position of power, set up a strong security force to protect them, but then turned around and, and abused their own people and the office of leader. Well, uh, no matter who they are or were, they always had a contingency of support, and during marches or demonstrations or, or festivals, uh, their supporters would yell, would chant this in Arabic. It goes something like this. Biruh bidem nifdik ya ra'is. Biruh bidem nifdik ya malik. By spirit, by blood, we redeem you, O king. By spirit, by blood, we redeem you, O president. When you think about it, that is exactly what the leader wants to hear. He needs people who would defend him and give their lives for him in order for him to stay in that position of authority or to stay on the throne. Now, I sometimes discuss this with Syrian refugees and ask them, uh, if you could replace your president with anybody, what kind of a person would you want to replace him? What kind of a leader? And they say, well, we would want a powerful leader because we are not easy to govern. We need a powerful leader. But he must be wise. He must know what is right and good and be able to do it. But he must be good uh, and, and really have the interests of his people in mind all the time to the point where even he would be willing to sacrifice. This would even cost him. I say, yes, that is the leader that we all want. Where is that leader? Who ever was like that? Well, the only leader I know of is Jesus because he says, by my blood, by my spirit, I redeem you, O people. He is the only king who willingly and pur purposefully set, shed his own blood to redeem or buy back, to win each and every person who was or would be a citizen of his kingdom, to buy them back from the kingdom of the enemy. And so the king of the cross continues to stand alone, falsely accused and rejected before a rebellious, sinful people to redeem and them back from the power of Satan, sin, and death. Even today, Jesus is scorned by many, rejected, ignored, stands alone, but is powerful to save. When we meet people who reject Jesus, who falsely accuse him, uh, what, what should we do? 
well, we don't need to argue or connive or cajole them or, you know, try to bring them in by force of argument. I think we simply need to do as Mark does here, just tell this story. Jesus is fully able to convince people of his kingship by his presence, his innocence, and his suffering. We specialize in the treatment of chest illnesses and tuberculosis. But one day, a 29-year-old came to us. She had fled with her brother after soldiers had beat her and, and smashed both the teeth on both sides of her face. And she came in very sad and depressed. So our dentist took a look at her and said, I think I can help her if, if I have about a month of treatment. So we admitted her. Over the course of the month's treatment, she got to know the nurses. She saw how they cared and showed the love of God for the sick. She also attended these daily patient meetings that we have every day, and she heard the gospel. After one meeting, she asked, How can I know this king? She confessed her faith in Jesus as her king. She came in with a very sad face and left the room with joy on her face. Within a couple of days, she had a dream. She saw a great light and she heard a clear voice which said, Follow the truth. Follow me. She said, I'm afraid. And he said, Do not fear. She went with him in her dream and then woke up. She said before she left, I asked Jesus to show me the truth. And he changed me. I told him that these people are so different. I wanted to know which way is right, their way or what I believed before. He showed me. He changed me. And the king of the cross still does that. He stands alone. He stands falsely accused. And he stands rejected to redeem and ransom his people from the enemy. How does he accomplish this? We know the story, but it's central to who we are and what his kingdom is about. He is the lamb of the cross. Those first three verbs that Mark uses, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him, are very descriptive words of a lamb being taken and set aside for the sacrifice. Let me read uh, from Exodus 12, when the Lord spoke to Moses about this feast of the sacrifice, the Passover. Exodus 12, 1-6. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, In the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses. A lamb, a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take, according to the number of persons, according to what each person can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. And in verse 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike 
the land of Egypt. As Josh explained back in Mark 14, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. Let's think about some of these aspects of the Passover lamb for a moment. As the Passover lambs were, the lamb of the cross was silent. In the Middle East, they still celebrate the Feast of the Sacrifice and go. each household goes and buys a lamb and sets it aside. And the lamb just sits there tied silent for a few days. Jesus did not open his mouth when falsely accused. First before the high priest. He did identify himself, the son of man, but he did not need to defend himself or refute false accusations. He was silent before the high priest. He was silent, is silent now before Pilate. And again, identifies himself as the king of the Jews. In just a few moments, Pilate would send him to Herod. And Herod would try to get Jesus to perform a miracle. But Jesus remained silent before Herod. Did not need to defend himself or refute false accusations. And as we heard read Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. As the Passover lambs were, the lamb of the cross was spotless, without blemish. Now those Passover lambs had to be perfect physically, a year old, and without any physical defect. Jesus was without any stain of sin, without any deficiency of his soul. He was the perfect, pure sacrifice. As the Passover lambs were, the Lamb of the Cross was also sacrificed. That's why he was set aside. Did you notice when we read those verses from Exodus, he was sacrificed for really two things or benefits. The first was to save. His blood on the, on the doorframe would be a sign that the people inside would be saved, that death would pass by them. Every member in the house would be saved from the righteous wrath of God. Jesus was sacrificed to save the members of his household by faith from the wrath of God. But the Passover lamb was also sacrificed to feed. To feed. And he goes into great detail that the people obtaining the lambs would know how many persons it was going to have to feed. Make an accurate count. The Passover lamb during the feast was sacrificed also to feed the members of the house, to give them strength for their journey. Jesus, the lamb of the cross, was sacrificed also to feed and nourish those who were or would become members of his household by faith, to nourish their souls, to give them life. When we do dialogue with Muslims in the Middle East, we often talk about sacrifice because it comes up every every year. They have this feast. 
Each house still, household still goes and obtains a sheep or a goat if they can afford it. They sacrifice it and give some of the meat to the poor. So I ask them, now why do you do this? And they say, to follow the example of Abraham. So I ask them, well, where did that come from? Well, God commanded him. That's right. And who else did God command? Well, Adam. Yes, God covered Adam and Eve's nakedness with skins taken from a sacrificed animal. He effectively covered their sinfulness by the blood that was shed from the animal and all their children of faith after them who believed God's promise of a Savior coming would offer in worship an animal shed its blood confessing their own sins and sinfulness before God and pleading for his mercy. The animal died in place of the worshiper and true worship was faith in God and what he said and the offering of a blood sacrifice as a sign of their own sinfulness and need for redemption. Abraham was even willing to offer his own son out of his fear for God. But God stopped him and sent down the great sacrifice to take the place of his son. And that's in the Quran. We have redeemed you with a great sacrifice, says of Abraham. So I asked them, now what animal will you offer that God may forgive you, that your life might be saved? What animal has the worth to save you? And one Bedouin guy said, well, a camel, of course. It's equal to seven sheep. I said, no, only the great sacrifice that God sent down to redeem all mankind can save us. And then we talk about Jesus. You know, the Lamb of the Cross is still silent. His willing act of redemption speaks volumes to our hearts and still has power to convince sinners to turn to him. And the Lamb of the Cross is still and forever spotless. His worth as the precious price paid for our sins is, is unerasable, will never fade, will never pass away. He is worthy forever. And Peter makes a point of this when he talks about how we ought to turn from our Feudal ways inherited from our forefathers because we have been ransomed not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And the lamb of the cross, Jesus, is still sacrificed. What do I mean? He was crucified once, yes. But his eternal blood shed continues to cleanse us from sin. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He is truly amazing. The king of the cross and the lamb of the cross, who are his people? Who are his people? And here is where I think Mark is, through story, is making a very strong argument for who his people are. Well, we looked at Peter, 
We saw that he denied Jesus, and we saw Judas, he betrayed Jesus. And we saw all the disciples, they abandoned Jesus. Now here is Pilate. He appears as if he wants to release Jesus. He, he said in Luke, I find no guilt in this man. And here he asks the crowd twice uh, what to do with Jesus. And he says, what evil has he done? He, he makes several attempts to try to exonerate Jesus to the crowd. But in the end, as earthly kings do, he succumbed to the crowd. He ordered Jesus' crucifixion, scourging, and execution. And then he said, as recorded in another gospel, I am innocent of this man's blood. What about the crowd? They had sung his, Jesus' praises a, a, a few days before, hoping he was the political savior. Who, but they now appear utterly disappointed with Jesus. He, he had let them down. They are easily stirred up by the chief priests for crucifixion. They knew that this form of death was uh, wicked or violent and painful. They wanted that for Jesus. They said, let his blood be on our own, on us and our children. Crucify him. Crucify him. What about the chief priests? It says in verse 10, they envied Jesus. Envy is wanting what another has, and if you can't get that, you don't want the other person either to be there. You need to get rid of the other person. No doubt envied Jesus' um, reputation with the people, his popularity shown a few days earlier in the triumphal entry. No doubt they envied his uh, authority. He spoke with authority and people paid attention. No doubt they envied his power. He had power over sickness and Satan and evil spirits. They wanted, the chief priests wanted this kind of attention and authority, but they couldn't get it, and so they wanted to do away with Jesus. Crucify him. Everybody say, crucify him. I went to a um, apologetics seminar at another church this weekend, and um, one man had done quite a bit of study on genocides, and what he was saying was, when you consider all these genocides, there were millions and millions of people who contributed and condoned these genocides. That, is this human? Or he said, isn't this inhuman? And his answer was, after his study, no, it's human. It's human. Crucify him. Crucify him. Who are the people of the cross? You know, I think it's, there's a great irony here on the, on the Feast of the Passover when Jesus' people, uh, the chosen ones of God, despised and rejected him. The chief priests, the elders, and the whole council, who the day before had probably offered sheep for the members of their household to redeem them, this day they are offering up Jesus, but it's not out of obedience it's not out of um, faith. 
Not that they could be redeemed or saved from God's wrath. It's they just hated him and they envied him. It was a, a final show of the sinfulness of man that they deserved. They actually deserved death. That God's wrath is righteous and he is just. Um, do, does anybody here watch science fiction movies? I don't, but um, okay. Maybe we'll get more as the second hour who do. <laughs> One of these professors who came uh, for this little conference was Clay Jones from Biola. And he writes this In The Terminator and The Matrix and similar films, the creation of a computer that somehow obtains free will results in rebellion against its creator who it regards as a threat that needs to be enslaved or destroyed. So, man creates computer, computer gets free will, computer wants to destroy man. And so, the rest of the, the, uh, the movie is spent with humans trying to destroy the computer. This resonates with us because it echoes the sweep of biblical history. God creates man, but man uses his free will to rebel against God and seeks to destroy him. Unlike most sci-fi, however, God seeks to restore relationship with his rebellious creations. Mark is showing us how all those in this story caused Jesus' death. They were all complicit in Jesus' death. They all were rebellious against the king of the cross. Can you see yourself somewhere in, this, in these characters? The prophet Isaiah again says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone, everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It, it is our sin, my friends, that caused his death. Romans 3, 10 to 12. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. The people of the cross are those first who have caused his death. But there is more. What about Barabbas, this notorious murderer, this revolutionary? He was an insurrectionist who had apparently murdered a Roman. He might have murdered a, a Jew. But if anyone deserved death, he certainly did. His name means son of the father. <clears throat> how, I, how ironic. On this feast of the Passover, when a household could free their oldest son by sacrificing a lamb, Barabbas, the son of the father, goes free by the sacrifice of the Lamb of the Cross. 
And who is Barabbas if not a type of us? We who deserve the punishment of death are spared only by the blood of the Lamb of the Cross. The Son was sent by the Father to lay down His life and shed His blood so that we could go free. His life for ours. Undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor from God. I keep going over these, ver- these verses in Ephesians 1, just over and over, praying through them. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us with all wisdom and insight. The people of the cross are not only those who have caused His death, but all those who have been or will be set free by it. That is us. So what, what do we conclude? The kingdom of the cross is the king of the cross standing to redeem the people of the cross from every tribe, tongue, and nation through his great sacrifice as the lamb of the cross. Is Jesus the king of the Jews? You have said so. Is Jesus the king of, of Muslims? You have said so. Is Jesus the king of Christians? You have said so. Of the atheists, the Buddhists, the Hindus, and all others in the world whom he will save through the cross? You have said so. All those who were shouting on this day, crucify, crucify him, some of them will shout for eternity, worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. I would like to close our time reading Revelation 5, 9 to 14, and then we are going to sing and worship him together. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped.